0: To awesome movie year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. Uh, this season, we are looking back at 1994. Uh, I'm Josh Bell, film critic, and uh, I'm joined by Jason Harris, comedian, filmmaker, and roused about. Roused about. Last episode, you were a man about
1: town, and now you're roused about. I feel a little more, uh, you know. A little more ready to tangle, a little more aggressive. All right, I look forward to that. The aggression will probably do us
0: well in this episode. Yeah, we're gonna have come to fisticuffs by the end. Well, I think.
1: it is uh, this episode is I'm excited. What we decided to do is uh, take a uh, filmmaker and uh, review. Uh, or look back at their first film, and it had to be made in 1994, our awesome movie year. And there were a lot of good choices to choose from in
0: 1994. That's true. Yeah, it's uh, it's a seminal year for indie film, which I think we're going to get into here and also in some other episodes. Um, but our choice was Kevin Smith's Clerks, and I think it's safe to say that we uh, both appreciate Kevin Smith's work overall. I think so.
1: I think, um, you know, looking back at it, it was probably one of the first filmmakers, me who's still trying to make movies uh, uh, to varying degrees of uh, success. <laughs> um, that was probably one of the first filmmakers and first films where I was like, oh, well, I mean, this dude from Jersey, you know, made this low budget black and white movie that's dope. Like, let me maybe pursue that, you know, and everything like that.
0: Right. And so uh so looking back at clerks, this movie made three million dollars at the box office. So it wasn't uh, a huge box office sensation, but I think that's a lot compared to what it was made for and what it was expected when Kevin Smith was making it.
1: Yeah, he spent twenty-seven thousand five hundred and seventy-five dollars on this movie.
0: exactly that much.
1: Yes. Yeah. So uh, you know, when you look at three million, that's a pretty nice haul. Yes and then you also consider you know the first showings of it in new york like did nothing until john pearson saw it and got him to take it to sundance and they changed the ending which i'm sure we'll talk about and stuff like oh that. right yes so you know this was a movie that could have died you know could have been doa uh, on the first you know kind of screenings but one right guy
0: saw it and uh you
1: know the rest is uh view askew history.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that this movie uh, was a massive success, even uh, not judged, like, even judged by the box office, but by judged by an overall uh, standard. I think this movie was a, was a huge success for Kevin Smith. Um, so you mentioned this movie was kind of inspiring to you. Did you see this uh, in 1994? I did not see it in the
1: theater, but this, I think, was probably... You know, at the height of um, the VHS boom when we were teenagers, and then also into DVDs with Clerks X and everything like that. Um, so I did see this very early on on video at my house, and then I remember one night we watched it at a uh, Abby Danhart's house, who uh, you know a very viable crush in high school, and it was four of us watching it. And this story's going somewhere, don't worry about yeah, it. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, Abby's, uh, mom drove us home that night, sadly, no action with Abby Danhart. but, uh, her little brother was in the car with us and, uh, the mom, her mom said, Hey, what did you, and the little brother was about 10 years old. And, uh, and her, Abby's mom said, what did you guys do tonight? And we said, we watched Clerks and the little 10 year old brother said,
0: ha 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 snowball. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yes. That's perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. Um, Yeah, I don't think I, I mean, this movie actually got a pretty small theatrical release, which is why it's impressive that it made even $3 million. I, I don't think that I saw this movie in theaters, but it was definitely a movie that I was aware of, like culturally. I remember seeing on, uh, on MTV, uh, the music video for Soul Asylum's Can't Even Tell, which was sort of the theme song from Clerks, um, and that had was, the characters. In yeah, it, so. exactly. Had them playing hockey with Soul Asylum, and I probably saw that before I saw the movie, um, but I remember being uh, very into that and having owning Clerks on VHS and watching it a bunch of times. And it was it was definitely one of the first movies as a teenager that made me excited about uh, indie films. And filmmaking, even though I wasn't, I I think as much as you were looking to be a filmmaker, but just the idea of doing this kind of thing on your own and everything like that. And I, uh, I watched it probably a lot of times when I was a teenager and, uh, you know, probably felt like I identified with the characters, um, but but I do remember that Soul Asylum video as uh, our producer, David Rosen, who I, of course, forgot to mention earlier, uh, as he mentioned, this movie had a lot of great music. And I think those music videos, also the uh, the Allison Chain song, um, uh, Got Me Wrong, uh, that's in this movie. I think I remember those being exposed to those probably before seeing the movie and thinking what is this i got to check it out because it's got these cool bands in it
1: well also you know kevin smith got hired to direct some spots for mtv with jay and silent bob off of it so i mean dude 1994 twenty seven thousand and change and those characters are still making him money today in new forms and of course the original form
0: yeah so. that is true and that's something smart um Something I was going to get into later with The Legacy, but um, Kevin Smith owns these characters, uh, the View Askew characters. Jay and Silent Bob, it's like George Lucas with the Star Wars characters where, you know, he had the foresight at the time to say, I'm going to hold on to the rights to these characters. You know, Miramax or whoever don't own Jay and Silent Bob. And so, yeah, they're still definitely making money. If there's Jay and Silent Bob action figures and Jay and Silent Bob video games and cartoons, all of that money is going to Kevin Smith. Yeah, this was just like you said, you know, I I think I read that it never
1: played in more than 50 theaters at once, right? So it's like three million bucks. This was like
0: that little movie that could that just kept cutting. Yes. (laughs) Um, And it was interesting to me to look back at the reviews, which were positive, but not super positive. And I think also reviewers at the time, of course, were looking at it as like, oh, here's this kind of tiny little throwaway thing and weren't giving it as much of a a weight as we would now give Kevin Smith films. Um, Roger Ebert and this movie did get two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert. Uh, Roger Ebert said within the limitations of his bare bones production, Smith shows great invention, a natural feel for human comedy and a knack for writing weird, sometimes brilliant dialogue. And the dialogue is definitely what, what drives this movie. And I think that is what people kind of noticed the most. Janet Maslin in the New York Times said, To appreciate Mr. Smith's cleverness, you need only realize how little promise his basic elements provide. The stores look realistically drab, and this film's fuzzy, grainy production values place it at the garage band level in terms of pure technique. Although the two main actors are fresh and engaging, nobody on camera looks or sounds like much of a pro, which of course was true. These were all amateur or local actors that he worked with. And that's what made it so endearing in some ways, I yes. think. Like you could know.
1: You could go to any convenience store and see some of these people there, I think.
0: You know? Yeah. And I think he probably recruited some of those people from the convenience store. Kevin Smith himself worked right uh, at the convenience store. And the Dante uh, character is based on Kevin yes, Smith. Yes, 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 yes. And, and, uh, I did notice the roughness of a lot of the acting in this movie. And one of the funny things that he does in this movie is he recycles actors. So he's got the same actor playing multiple characters because yeah. he didn't have that many people. Scott Mosier, is, uh, who produced the
1: movie and you know they met in film school in Vancouver, has multiple roles in there. So
0: Yes. Um, and so in contrast, uh, Owen Gleiberman in Entertainment Weekly said, The dialogue in Clerks doesn't match the meticulous banality of the atmosphere. It's punchy and fake with some of the in-your-face showiness of mediocre off-Broadway theater. Um, And then I thought, interestingly, he also said, uh, still, if Clerks lacks the grunge artistry of its forebears, it's a fast, likable 90 minutes at the movies. The way our culture is going, this may be what a hip sitcom looks like in 15 years. And that was very true. It what, in, in regards to low budget grounded type. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. So, that this yeah. influenced not only films, but also uh, TV series. And one interesting thing that I noticed in looking up reviews, Janet Madeline, Janet Maslin's review was from, uh, I think it was from Cannes or maybe from Sundance, but it was from a festival. And, uh, she noted that this movie was playing in tandem with a short film by Louis C.K.
1: Mm, I didn't know that. Did yeah. You know
0: that? I didn't. And that was what I found interesting. And of course, I mean, Uh, Louis C.K.'s issues aside, if we want to talk about Clerks' influence on TV that indie film aesthetic is something that louis ck carried all the way forward to the tv series that he ended up making. i'd be interested
1: to see that film yeah whatever it is
0: i don't i forget the title of it but it may be something you can find on youtube now. i mean if we had a producer with uh, internet access right now maybe <laughs> well could we could have us. prepared ourselves you <laughs> well, know. i didn't even know about it. i could have prepared myself i i noted it in my mind that it was interesting and then didn't write it down that is interesting but yeah. i mean you know i gotta just say like
1: uh The dialogue, which still holds up, I say, like, look, man, I don't remember movies talking. I mean, I'm sure there were some, but like so heavily ingrained in pop culture and the Star Wars conversation. And this is also the year that we'll get to later. Pulp Fiction was out and that had a lot of pulp culture references. So, you know, if we're going on this like postmodern concept and then the idea of just from the opening shot where it's like, you know, Uh, We see the dog on the bed and then we see Dante fall out of the closet. This is the quintessential. If you said, what is a 90s indie movie? This would probably be
0: the quintessential example. Yes, yes, yes. I, I agree. So there's a bit of background on Kevin Smith's Clerks. And when we come right back, we'll talk more about our general thoughts on the film. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year in this episode of our 1994 season. We are talking about our pick for a notable first feature, Kevin Smith's Clerks. So let's get into what what we thought. I mean, revisiting this movie, did you like it as much as you used to? I don't know if I liked it as
1: much as I used to, but that's because the joy and delight of seeing it the first time is tough to, you know, compete with. But I still really like the movie a lot. Like, it's a it's still fun. I would watch it again tomorrow, you know? And, uh, you know, from like a guy who's just trying to grind it out and make any movie he can, the idea that this guy found one location for the most part where he had to shoot from when the convenience store was closed, 10 30 PM to 5 30 AM, you know, they did a 21 day shoot and he made such a world in this one location. Like, I love it. I think it's so inventive and like, it deserves all the props that it gets over the years. And, you know, there's so much memorable stuff as Abby Dan Hart's little brother could have told you Yes, there, we so. should have
0: had him on as a guest appearance. <laughs> see if that uh, snowballing moment really scarred him or influenced him Dave, as a child. Dave, go find Abby Dan Hart's yeah. <laughs>
2: little brother. Yeah. I don't know where Abby is, but I can tell you though that the Louis C.K. short was called Ice Cream and it was actually filmed in 1993 before Clerks. Wow. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, but I wonder like, did Louis C.K. and Kevin Smith like meet at that film festival and, and exchange notes and you know influence each other?
2: Time for me to do some more research. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, no, I'm I'm still like you can see I'm
1: smiling, just thinking about the movie. I think the interesting, like the main characters, obviously the backbone, Randall, Dante, you know, um, and then, you know, Jay and Silent Bob are there throughout. And, you know, even uh I thought he did a very like uh, first-time indie filmmaker take at it, but he tried to give the women their due, right? You know.
0: Yeah, I mean that was something that that watching this movie again, I thought there are certain things in this movie that if it were related to to gender, that if it came out now, I think people would not let slide as much. I mean, there's a lot of the relationship between Dante and and Veronica. Uh, their whole dynamic. I mean, it's all we. we you know, we could call slut shaming right, now because she sucked thirty six dicks. Right, thirty seven. Yes, so. exactly. And yeah. and it's presented. I mean, yes, Dante as a character is this guy who's obviously he's insecure and he's got a lot of problems and he's not necessarily like a great person, but he is the main character, the hero, if you want to call it that, of this movie. And his perspective on her being a slut is presented as reasonable. And so that was something that struck me as a little off. Now that I'm sure at a fi- as 15 or whatever, I didn't I didn't think about. Yeah, so
1: that's 25 years ago, right? So,
0: sure, sure. I mean, I'm not so. I'm not saying that it needs to be you know canceled or whatever. It's just sure. something that struck me that if this movie were made now, people would be talking about that a lot.
1: I think you're right, but I also think that the Dante character is so insecure that he won't even leave this job. You know, even though his girlfriend's trying to push him to get back into school and do different things that he would be insecure, like in real, like that person would be insecure yeah, with knowing that his girlfriend sucked so many dicks, you know, so. <laughs> right. But can
0: we just talk from a comedy standpoint about that? Like, Yeah, right? it's still funny and it's very well constructed. The callbacks to it and everything are great. Yeah. Yes,
1: and the little things where Kevin Smith does where he really like elevates the game is like when, you know, Veronica is leaving the convenience store and Dante follows her outside and, and uh, you know, there's just some random dude who doesn't have any lines in the movie, right? And Veronica walks past him and Dante yells, try not to suck any dicks on your way to the parking lot. And then the dude just trails yeah, her like- That is a great moment. So funny, yes, you know? That is a
0: really funny moment. And he, yeah. There's a lot of that stuff yeah. in here. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. and And I think the writing- um, you know, as these reviewers at the time, it seemed like the people who liked it uh, in 1994 really honed in on the dialogue and the writing. And it is very clever. And And like I was saying, the callbacks, I think, are very effective, that that he builds jokes so effectively throughout the movie that little things just keep coming back around and back around and being, you know, augmented and and changed. And, you know, that's very uh, it's hard to do, you know, to construct the screenplay that tightly, I think is really impressive. I agree. And then you see these callbacks in later movies as well,
1: you know, right. Where
0: they're maybe not as impressive it's anymore. Depending, right,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, but there's so many just little comedic beats that elevate the the film to just like a joy to watch.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And one of the things I noted, I mean, the dialogue, I expected to be good. You know, that's, again, that's what people remember it for. That's what people note down. And it was very clever and I really liked it. But I think one of the things that Kevin Smith gets criticized for a lot is his visual style. And it's very rough, but I was impressed more watching it this time with the visual style than I expected. And you mentioned that opening shot. The editing in this movie is really tight. And the way it just, it goes from the shot of the dog to the shot of Dante. Dante in the closet, uh, that's such a good image and I thought, yeah, there's moments in this movie where visually you're like, what are you doing? The 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 scene between Dante and Randall when they're in the car and they're having the oh, discussion. The whip pans yeah, those were
1: terrible. I mean that's that's a first time filmmaker trying to show off a film technique. Right. right and yeah. Doesn't, you know, he took a shot and he didn't have any money to cover it or maybe just thought he didn't sure. have, need to cover it another way. Right. But yeah, that's just like dialogue on you, camera to you. Dialogue right. to me, camera yeah. to me, and it's one yeah. shot one the whole time, yeah, that that's that's noticeable. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, and so, on the one hand, there's that moment where you can really tell, like, what what are you what are you doing? Um, but on the other hand, I feel like there's at least as many moments where you're impressed with the way that he constructed this movie visually, and where he thought about, like, you know, what can we edit in here? Shots of of the cat in the store. Um, there's one scene with Jay and Silent Bob standing outside, I think, with the the Russian metal guy. and Olaf. He, Olaf, there you go. And, and he cuts to like shots of their feet as they're standing. And like, I think maybe he didn't get enough credit for having uh, a visual style, even if some of it comes out of necessity, the black and white, of course, which was about saving money, but I think really works for this movie, so... I I agree, this one worked all the way. I think
1: you can criticize him later in his career for not having a visual style that matches the material, but this one, like, it needs to feel rough and tumble, you know, and like, it works really well. Other than that whip pan sequence that you mentioned, like, I thought that it it should be like, you know, rough around the edges and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it, it fits and, you know, you're talking about Jay and Silent Bob, you know, these two characters that still live on. Like, and they're a little more polished now. I kind of liked them. I like them here. The first yeah. time you see them, right. they're so real. Like, I mean, I, you know, this is this is South Jersey. This takes place. I grew up in North Jersey. Like, dude, like you could know these guys, you know. You could know these idiot drug dealers who you're just talking about, you know, Olaf Metal or, right. you, know, like, right. you know, someone else's, you know, sex life i mean you know you want to talk about something that wouldn't hold up it would be and again there are still guys like this but when uh when you know um jay says to silent bob you know oh you you know i you know i want to you know he's talking about <laughs> sucking dicks yes, again and yes, he's like yes. i never fuck you you fucking right, faggot. right and it's like, yes it's super harsh like direct
0: and you know in the 90s People talk like that. You, right. I don't
1: think you I think today you'd be like, dude, what what are you doing? Right. You know, yeah,
0: so. yeah, I think so too. And 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 it would be harder to make Jay into this kind of cuddly uh action figure character as he became uh when he starts out saying stuff like that. But but yeah, I mean I agree with you. And and I think the evolution of Jay and Silent Bob into these like mascots and you know, action figure characters it does not serve them very well as characters um, and that they feel more like, like people that you would encounter on the street in this movie. Um, And maybe part of that is the way that he talks, that he says these, Jay says these like awful things, but someone like that would say that. And, you know, he's not, when you're not looking at him as like, uh, you know, the Kevin Smith equivalent of Mickey Mouse, then it's okay for him to say terrible things because he's a dirt bag and that's fine. You know, there's so many
1: uh, different styles of verbal humor. Like Randall is so sarcastic and just kind of like one linery you know. Dante is all downtrodden. All of his comedy comes from pain. And then Jay is like this wild card, right? And then you get the customers and they're all so, um, they all have like really well drawn out, even though they're just there for like one sequence or one joke, you know. That's why I manually masturbate farm animals yes, or whatever. Yes, yeah. Like that that joke, that take is just what you're watching people like look at eggs and there must be guidance counselors. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of funny. Did you have a favorite uh
0: customer? I mean, sequence? I still like the, the customer who says, ooh, Navy SEALs, when he's picking up the video. I say that, like I've never, we should do it. I don't remember if Navy SEALs came out in 1994, but we we should do an episode on Navy SEALs, which I've never seen. But the only thing I know about that movie is that customer in clerk saying, ooh, Navy SEALs. Dave, look it up, I bet it's 92. <laughs> We and, can do that on and, awesome movie year for ninety.
2: Seals. And I have
1: seen Navy Seals. And before. how is Navy SEAL? I just remember Erica Lainiak jumping out of a cake and not having clothing. Oh so, wow! You Erica can't blame Eleniak. me for remembering yeah. that. Right. Nineteen
2: ninety. Oh okay. wow. Okay. So, we'll, so we'll keep
0: that in mind. But um, uh, so yeah. that's probably my favorite character or customer moment. But yeah, those those quick fire jokes are very funny.
1: Yeah. So yeah, like, you know, uh Randall, you since you're mentioning the video store, the yeah. two that the two that stick out there are um, you know, one is the woman who's first in line and she's gonna and Randall says, I bet you won't get to rent that movie. Yeah. She doesn't know that Randall, you know, works there. So he beats her in the bed and doesn't let her rent the movie. And then yeah. of course the woman with the kid. <laughs> happy
0: scrappy hero pup.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wants to order that and he orders like seven, you know, very uh very uh Uh, explicit. Yes, let's say that. Uh you know, adult movies and then happy scrappy hero. Yes, yeah. But in ninety-four, and now you hear like stuff like that, and maybe it doesn't come off as explicit, but like I don't remember hearing dialogue like that. Like, you know, hermaphrodite's best of both worlds. Right. Yes. When we first saw this movie. Yeah. It is,
0: and especially at I don't know about you, but I, you know, that's probably for me. The first time I ever heard terms like that, you know, as a 15-year-old yeah. watching this movie. Snowball, that was definitely the first time I heard that. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Uh, so um,
1: but you know, there's there's the guy who wants the porno mag who dies. And like what's yes. funny about him is that like I mean, he's a very odd, like old Jewish man. But the, every time Dante gives him something for free, he wants something better for free. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Chully's gum guy is always fun. And right, does, yeah,
0: um, that that's right. That Chully's gum. That whole sequence about how you know he's anti-cigarettes and everyone is, he is buying cigarettes in this movie, and of course. Now it's like the complete opposite, you know, it would be the the person who is buying cigarettes is the anomaly versus, uh, you know, the person, uh, advertising chewing gum. Right. And,
1: you know, I mean, the, the relationship between Randall and Dante feels 100% real to me. And, you know, I could, I could totally see them closing up the shop to play hockey on the roof for twenty minutes or whatever, you know? So yeah, because, So um, I also liked uh, one thing that I thought was cool that they built into the story was because he had to shoot at night, you know, all right. With the shutters being closed. Yeah. And they built that into the story where a customer jammed up the uh, lock with gum and everything like that. So, yes. um,
0: Yeah. of savages in this town. Right. there. That's another great line that keeps coming back. And it's, it's funny each time they say it, I think in the way that they, it it gives you their relationship, the fact that they're both, that's their first thing that they say. You can see how much they have that dynamic going back years, and, you know, they're right. comfortable with each other. And, of course, I'm not even supposed to be here. Yes, today, Which yes. is plays throughout
1: uh, the entire movie. But you're right, like, you know, because uh, that relationship comes to a head at the end when they beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. And they confront each other of, you know, why each one of them sucks and they both have to admit, yeah, we still both suck, but let's go out for dinner later. We're always going to be friends and, right. and
0: And it all works, man. So. It does. Yeah, I mean, I was struck watching this time too, especially about, Randall is such a dick. He's such a terrible person. I mean, he's fun, funny to watch and I, I like their relationship and Dante is not a great person either, but he's just, Randall is just so needlessly cruel. As funny as those customer sequences are, He's just gratuitously mean to people who are trying to go about their day. Yeah, I mean,
1: I agree with you, but uh, there's something there. It is funny that there is that guy who like is willing to die on that hill (laughs) over and over and over again and just like does not care, you know, so like it's almost it's more endearing that he is such an asshole that if he was only like a halfway asshole, it wouldn't be, you know? Right.
0: And he really commits to it. And he understands. I think that part of the reason why you can still enjoy him is because he's very self-aware and he knows that he's just a total jerk and he, he's wasting his life and everything like
1: that. Yeah. Right. Right.
0: And the tension there is that Dante thinks of himself as a better person, but is in fact just as bad as Randall.
1: Yeah. And one other thing that I want to bring up, because it's, a, I think, a really um, uh, quintessential 90s thing is like in the 80s, right? You had these teen angst movies and they were all like high school teen angst movies. And that was the John Hughes era. And that was that big overarching theme to a lot of the teen movies, right? In the 90s, they had that shift with a lot of these movies of people who are just, Graduating college or about to graduate college, and they have to figure out what they're going to do with their lives. And we were teenagers, we were not in college yet, and we were, uh, you know, just starting high school when this came out. But that uh, is really that permeates that attitude of each of these characters. It's like, this is it for them almost dead end Jersey, you know? right? So. Right,
0: yeah. And as a teenager, I think maybe you look at that movie and you think. Wow, you know, is this what I have to look forward to in life? And you know, if you're lucky, instead you get to make a movie about that. But, um, but yeah, I think I think it. it, You're absolutely right. And there's a lot of movies, uh, indie films, and stuff that's that started around this time that are about. Well, I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, I think it was Owen Gleiberman in his review mentions Slacker, and of course the idea of slackers and people who are just going nowhere in their lives in their twenties really. Uh, dominated uh, film in the '90s and and pop culture in general in the '90s and 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 yeah, I think those were maybe as teenagers watching these movies, those were our role models, were people who were doing nothing with their lives. I
1: agree, but even today, you know, um, we have a video store out here in Las Vegas called Movies and Candy that I wrote about for Las Vegas Weekly a few years ago, and I, you know, my whole premise of the article is like. This guy kind of has a dream job, right? Right. He's running a video store in 2019 now. And that sounds great. Who doesn't want to just go and rent movies and talk about... I used to work at Blockbuster. Talk about a uh, throwback right there. And that was fun. But if you could have your own indie video store right now, like I'd be pretty happy doing that if I could make my living doing
0: that. Yes. Which is funny because, of course, in 1994, working at a video store is presented as like a crappy you know, go nowhere job and Randall is not happy about working at the video store. And as much as they talk about pop culture, Randall does not seem like a movie buff. I think, though, if you look at that
1: character, he'd be miserable no matter what his situation. That is true. Yeah. And
0: that is part of the point of the movie.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one other thing I found interesting because we're talking about the language and everything is that this was originally rated NC-17. Yeah. No nudity, no violence in this version, really. Yeah. And, uh, it was just based on language, and uh, Miramax hired uh, Alan Dershowitz to get, oh, wow. the, uh, get the rating down to an R. But it shows you how insane the MPAA is, just being like, oh, they're talking about sex, so we have to give them an NC-17 rating. Like, grow up, you assholes.
0: Yes. Um, and yeah, and then also, of course, all of this stuff that they talk about and say in this movie, you could now see on, like, a TV show on FX. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> so... You know, it did. Uh, it did do well. It won. It can the award of the youth, the Mercedes and the Mercedes Benz award, right? And, right. And Sundance, it shared the filmmakers trophy with Fresh. But like, I remember when Fresh came out. I still have never seen. Fresh. I have not seen that either. But this was the movie that like kind of touched the pulse. Where I was like, you got to see this. Yes. Like you said, we all knew about it before we stumbled on it, right? It wasn't like, oh, this is at a video store. Let's get it. It was like, we all knew it was there. We have to go get
0: it. Right. And we were like, I mean, I think similarly, probably like sheltered suburban kids. We were not on the cutting edge of indie film at that time. And yet we knew that this was a movie we had to see.
1: Yeah, it was, um, it was, it wasn't like an outlaw thing. Like my parents wouldn't, wouldn't have cared if I watched it, but it was like, It was back in like that idea of like you had to know about it to know about it. Yeah. And and word of mouth did so well for this movie and whatnot. Yeah, it really did. um, You know, I want to talk about the ending because there is the original ending that never got Right, uh, and
0: I, I haven't watched it, but did I think it got made, but it got cut. right. right. It got made by cut. and I haven't watched. I think I actually have the DVD that has that version on it, but I've never watched it. And I feel like somewhere in my brain, like I have seen it.
1: yeah, but I can't tell you that I've seen it. yeah. Right. but um, so the ending of clerks is that after Dante and Randall beat the crap out of each other and realize they both suck, they're still gonna be friends, and Dante goes back to work because this is his day, and Randall says, you know, let's go out for dinner tonight um you know he leaves and then he yells out like you know your clothes your clothes right yeah because that's a playback and it's a
0: great ending i think it's the
1: perfect moment to end on right exactly because the beginning dante has to create a sign with shoe polish because the the shutters are down that's uh on a big cloth that says i assure you you're open so you go from open to close yeah the movie perfect the original ending kevin smith uh A customer comes in. He asks for something. Randall said, I mean, Dante says, sorry, we're closed. And the guy just shoots him and kills him. And then steals the money, I think. Steals the money. And then another customer comes in and uh, doesn't see anyone because Dante is now dead. And uh, he just takes some cigarettes and leaves. And then all the credits are over like a dead Dante's face or something.
0: Yeah, that that was that was definitely the right move to cut that. I think that's way more dark and nihilistic than this movie warrants. And I did see some quote uh, from Kevin Smith, and I'm not sure when this was in an interview, but he said something along the lines of that he put that ending in because he didn't know how to end a movie. And uh, I, I think that makes a lot of sense that that as a you know 24 year old or whatever, you think you have to have this like big moment yeah. at the end. And whoever told him John Pearson, no. I think, yeah, was, the, you was know,
1: the indie film guru and yeah. who championed it and said no. But yeah, I mean, and then he also said that,
0: you know, do the right thing, which has a lot of humor in it and then gets really serious was an influence. And this kind of is no way. do the right thing. Like, I love Clerks, but it's no do the right thing. It's not, it doesn't have that social resonance that like, do the right thing has that warrants that serious Turn at the end this is like do the suburban white thing yes there like, you go I want to just say those that ending and some
1: other stuff can be found on the DVD
0: that is true X. yeah the clerk's X which for the 10th anniversary DVD and probably uh on other subsequent releases but that's the one that I have um we talked a little about the or the response to the performances um what do you think of the acting in this movie you know I, There's
1: definitely like like the truly's gum guy is better than you know, Sunny Boy. Can I get a a Pono Mag, right? So it's up and down. I thought uh both the girlfriends, I believe, Veronica and And, Caitlin, uh, Caitlin, yeah. And you know, look, uh, you know, Dante and Randall, Brian and Jeff uh Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson. uh, Jeff Anderson, like like, dude those guys carry it man so, yeah and you know i know that uh jeff anderson was up for like an indie spirit award for like future star or whatever it yeah. was and like so and he's he's like notoriously difficult to get to sign on to these movies right yeah so clerks two clerks three all that stuff like he is so protective of it or doesn't want to do it i don't know what he does but yeah i think like it was more about the reality of it. Like I could know those guys. I could know Jay and silent Bob that like, maybe you give them a little leeway, but I thought the performances were fine.
0: Yeah. I think the main performances do work and you're right. Like the, the people that come in for brief moments, you can tell some of them who are just, they're not actors and they're just reading lines. And uh, the lady that you mentioned, you know, the who manually masturbates animals and talks about the guidance counselor, like, I think there are moments there where I thought, like, is she reading off a cue card or something? Like, but but I do you buy into that central relationship between Dante and Randall. And I think those performances are exactly what they need to be, as well as the the girlfriend characters, because you have to buy into Dante's connection to both of those women. Um I think they are good enough. And uh one thing I especially noted related to that, and I think we can. Move on to talking about the legacy of the film. And I don't know if you've ever seen it. And I I watched like five minutes of it on YouTube, but the uh Clerk's live action sitcom. I did want to talk about that. That that, that was attempted, they made a pilot for and never uh that never went forward. And uh which starred uh Andrew Lowry, who I don't really know anything about as Dante, and Jim Brewer as Randall. Um it's so bad. And They're, you know, professional actors like uh, Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson auditioned and were rejected for this. So uh, we're hired in favor of these professional guys and they don't bring anything to it. Well,
1: I mean, and that's the whole idea because I had heard that Kevin Smith didn't even know they were making this. And then he wrote a script for the TV show and he got rejected. Yes. So you've rejected the creator and the two stars of Clerks. For your crappy TV show, like what are you
0: doing? You yeah. know,
1: what kind of ridiculousness is that?
0: Yeah, it's clearly misguided. Um, but it also goes to show you that that these nobodies had something, you know, right. that it was right to cast these actors and to get Kevin Smith to do it. Um, so yeah, it's terrible. I did notice also in the beginning, uh, Carrie Russell plays like the random customer who comes into the store at the very beginning of the episode.
1: Well, that's fun. Yeah, she's she's good. We so, like her.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, she is good. Uh, it's not her finest hour necessarily, but yeah, I couldn't even make it through the whole thing. It's 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 painfully It's on YouTube. Bad. It is on YouTube. Yeah, it was very easy to find. I mean, you know, and you're
1: you know, you're gonna go right into the legacy there, but there was the Clerks animated series yes. and the sequels yes. and like the comic books. So go yes,
0: yeah, yeah. all all of that. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and all of that stuff, unlike that sitcom, was controlled by Kevin Smith, where. Because this movie became such a cultural sensation, he then had the clout later on to say, I'm going to make Clerks 2 and get these actors back and pair them with you know, Rosario Dawson and more famous actors um, and make this film. And I'm going to do an animated series, which of course didn't last very long, but he was able to do it his way and get the, the voice actors that he wanted. Um, and really, I think the legacy for Kevin Smith of this movie is that whole view a universe that he created that, you know, he used his love of comic books to bring that idea of the, the shared universe and the characters who go on through various uh, stories to the, you know, indie film comedy world. And we'll talk a little bit more about the legacy of Clerks when we come right back. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year and our first season talking about the films of 1994. In this episode, we are covering a notable first feature, which is Kevin Smith's Clerks. And uh, we're talking a little bit about the legacy of this film. Is this Kevin Smith's best movie? Um, you know, I'd have to probably go back and watch all of the Kevin Smith movies again, because a lot of the other ones I haven't seen, uh, you know, since I originally saw them, I at the time loved Chasing Amy. That would be the only one I think I'd have to rewatch to make this decision. But I, I feel like Chasing Amy is a movie that if I watch now, I, I might have a lot of issues with. I think so. But that again, you have to place
1: it in 1996, right? So, you know, the stuff of, uh, the bisexual love story. Which like now is like, you know, every day, like a lot of people. Sure. You know. It's
0: a very common, right. not
1: notable thing. Right. Yeah. But back then it was a huge deal. In everything. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Best Kevin Smith movie? I'd say probably.
2: Yeah. Like you guys, I think Chasing Amy would be the closest thing. But uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan of all those early V.S. Universe movies, although I haven't watched any of them in many years. So. I,
1: and I liked Clerks, too. I, it definitely, oh. you know, he, he moved more into the realm of heart. Uh, you know, which uh, d- which didn't work in like Jersey Girl at all, but like did work for me in Clerks 2. And I like Sil- Jay and Silent Bob. But uh, yeah, I don't
0: know. That was made Clerks 2 might have been the last movie of his I
1: liked. What do you
0: think? Yeah, I didn't I didn't even like Clerks 2. And weirdly enough, I think the legacy of this movie is turning Kevin Smith into a monster. That's <laughs> you know. Do- I mean, good good for him that it was a success, but I think I almost would have liked it more if this movie was not a success and it was something that you went back to 20 years later and discovered and thought, oh, look at this obscure movie that nobody knew at the time, but that was really a hidden gem and that its its huge success ended up giving Kevin Smith like the worst possible career. Whoa.
1: He did say that had they stuck with the original ending, there would have been no more of USQ, you know. Universal right,
0: right, and not that I would have wanted to see. I, I do think getting rid of that ending was the right, the right call. But, but yeah, I think that 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 Kevin Smith seeing this movie, and of course in 1994, you think, wow, this guy is so talented. What is he going to do next? And he continued to be very successful. But I, I feel like he just took
2: the wrong lessons from Maybe all of it didn't this. evolve
0: yeah as a I, filmmaker.
2: I just want to say 24 year old me says screw you josh Bell." And I,
0: I... <laughs> no and 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 24 year old me would probably say the same thing but but i think uh, especially over time and and where his career has gone up until now I, i'm like man, we 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 did not hand the right guy uh, a massive platform, necessarily. Well,
1: Josh and I watched uh, Yoga Hosers not too long ago, one of his uh, True North trilogy. And really, you know, it's got his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter. And they're both uh, clerks at a yes. convenience store. So this is like, Clerk's the next generation, but it's a weird, like horror. Is it horror? What would you call it? it uh, I
0: mean, you know, it's you could call it horror. It's not scary in any way, but it has supernatural violence yeah, in it. I
1: fell asleep during it and didn't feel any need to finish it at another point in time.
0: Yeah. And I, I did finish it. And I think you made the right call on that. But I will say, watching that movie, that the one thing I liked about that movie was the 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 clerks-ish dynamic that I thought if he had made a movie that was about teenage girl clerks, he could have maybe recaptured some of what he was good at back in the day. But of course, he didn't and, and can't. He can't make a movie like every movie he makes now has to have Nazi bratwurst monsters or the equivalent of that because yeah. that's... That's who he is. And that if he could have made a movie with unlimited resources in 1994, right. it would have included Nazi bratwurst right, monsters, right. you know? The
1: idea that he only had $27,000. Like, uh, I don't know. There's uh, there's some quote uh, by like Goethe or something like that where like the artist shows his true talent by the parameters given to him, right? Yeah, And the parameters here really, really worked for Kevin Smith, yes. you know? So, um, man, you know, like I still... <laughs> berserker the berserker song, yeah it's a great know? song it's really fun and it's yeah. so simple you right. know that like you know olaf metal and everything yes. so um I'll, i i want to say this though because we're talking about legacy on a personal standpoint the three of us last year worked on a web series um and there was one episode where there was um like a montage of different difficult customers yes and um and I think, I definitely think that seeped into my brain from the uh, sequencing clerks sure. from the video store. And also we're talking about maybe not as polished performers. And you and I talked about this, Josh, we cast at least one person in there who was not the most polished performer and it shows on screen, but I feel like that's kind of endearing. That was like our homage, whether it was done purposely or not, you know, to Kevin Smith. So that was a direct influence for us on uh, from clerks,
0: yeah. and i don't I don't mean to be so down on on Kevin Smith or this movie's legacy. and And I do think for me personally, I mean, it was a movie that that resonated with me, that i I held on to uh, even now. You know, I still going back to it, really enjoyed the experience and and would probably place it among my favorite films. Um But I think, you know, when we're talking about on these episodes a, a debut film, uh it, this in some cases it's like this was the first sign of greatness for someone and in kevin smith's case i think you might say this was the last sign of greatness well i i'm gonna give him chasing amy yeah right? no you that's know. fair
1: that's no fair. and i remember because everything was a uh, an event like that's how big kevin smith became to probably teenage suburban males more than anyone right, right. you know mall rats like we knew going in like that the studio kind of like messed his uh, his vision up right Right. but we still wanted to see it chasing amy i think like we like i loved chasing amy when it came out i did too i did too and dogma had so much hype and after that didn't live up to it i was just like all right i i'm kind of like over this now yeah
0: and maybe i've soured on him a lot and that's coloring my uh my feeling but But beyond Kevin Smith's career, I mean, this movie was obviously hugely influential for indie filmmaking and and showing people that you could do something on this small a scale and reach a wide audience. And I think that influence maybe was more positive uh, that people took from it their ability to make a small scale drama or comedy uh, with just character driven people talking. And, you know, a lot of those people did a better job of that than Kevin Smith did.
1: Yeah. I don't know, man. I did. The, do they do a better job than clerks?
0: Than maybe movies? not a better job than clerks, but, but, but movies that were made influenced by clerks, I think on the whole were better than movies that were later made by Kevin Smith. Yeah. Clerks just holds up maybe as that just kind of like
1: shining piece in whatever Kevin Smith's crown is, or, you know, whatnot. not. Um, so Yeah, wouldn't it be great if he could, you know, there's. are
0: they making Clerks 3 right now, right? No, I think because you were talking about Jeff Anderson, he just said he wouldn't do it. No, they they were making
2: it. They were supposed to, and I think that, yeah, they just couldn't get everyone on board. So now they're doing a Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah, that's
0: happening now, I think. But yeah, unless Jeff Anderson changes his mind, I
2: think Clerks 3 is not happening. What I watched this video on YouTube where they had recreated
1: the quick stop in, you know, Louisiana. And I don't, uh, you know, because that's where they were filming. Yeah. I really thought they were making Clerks 3 because I had read the Jeff Anderson thing, but then I did thought they, they got him on board. But, you know, who knows? That's, yeah, I mean,
0: uh, it could still happen. He could change his mind or something. I kind of hope not, really, because I don't want 3 I, I, to And exist. I'm rooting for him to hit one more out of the park, you know? We will see. Um, so that is Clerks for uh, our uh, debut film from a notable filmmaker in 1994 and that is this episode of awesome movie and, Year,
1: and we have to rate it out of uh, packs of Chulies yes, gum. yes oh truly's uh, gum that is good out of five packs of Chulie's gum i'm giving this uh good i'm giving this you know i'm giving this five packs of truly's gum i like i love this film
0: yeah. yeah i i love this film too but i think i would give it a four out of five i think there are certain aspects that i love less now but but it's a very good film um so you can uh, you can catch us on social media. Yep, we're all over on the the twits, the
1: IGs, and the FBs at uh, Awesome Movie Year. I personally am at Jason Harris Comedy or J Harris Comedy. We're building the Awesome Movie Year site as well, so that's um, where that's where I that's where I'll, I'll be on those things.
0: Yes, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Signal Bleed. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Josh Bell hates everything and
2: at JoshBellHatesEverything.com. dot com. And our wonderful producer Dave has his podcast piecing pod on twitter and instagram and facebook and all that stuff and also join the popcorn and puzzle pieces facebook group where you can talk about more of these movies
1: hey before we go let's tell them what we're going to do on the next episode it's going to be fun the biggest flop of 1994 (laughs) josh what film is that
0: that is rob reiner's north and i do think that's going to be fun so look for that in the next episode and uh this has been awesome movie
2: year Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And all points west.